Well, indeed, good morning and happy Easter to you. My name is Carrie. Happy Easter. As a lead pastor, I'm glad to see such a full room. We'd love to have it full every week like this. <laughs> and you can make it happen. We are not beginning a new series this week, but we are beginning a new series next week on the shocking words of Jesus. He said, what? And uh, I want to encourage you to come back and uh, bring some friends, and you have an invite there in your program to do so. But we are actually going to probably look at the most shocking words Jesus ever said today. And they were words that he spoke when he raised Lazarus from the dead. It was right before he raised Lazarus from the dead. Actually, he was speaking to his sisters, and he said this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, it's Easter Sunday. Of course, we're in an environment where we're like, yes, that's a great passage. We're excited about that. We just had great worship song. The band knocked it down. He's alive. Indeed, he's alive. Because we're used to this. This is what you do on Easter. You celebrate that Christ rose from the grave. But friends, that statement that Jesus said there, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. That was a shocking statement for people to hear in his day. Shocking. And maybe it's shocking for you as well if you actually look into the words and think, does somebody say that? Say, if I was to walk up to Donovan here and say, hi, Donovan, how's it going today, man? Good Easter. I'm glad you're sitting on the front row. Thanks for filling in the front row. I know you feel pretty awkward. Your parents put you up here. That's good. I'm glad people filled in this little center section. I was concerned about it today with the rearrangement of the chairs. But Donovan, I, I just want you to know that if you believe in me, you will live and you'll never die. If that was just an ordinary person walking up to you, you would say, forget you. I'm out of here. You're weird. But Jesus said things like that. He said all kinds of other crazy things in one sense that we're going to look at because the, the, the bottom line was Jesus was a, um, a startling public figure. He was controversial. People had looked to him for some incredible things. He claimed to be the Messiah, so they began to put their hopes in him. But every now and then he would say things would pull them back. But there's probably nothing more incredible, shocking that he said than those words right there. If you believe in me, you will never die. Now, it's great to have my whole family here today, but I was uh, sharing with some of them the other day as we were heading to some place to visit that my first hospital visitation experience as a young pastor was a little startling to me. I was on staff in the Midwest, a large church, and uh, my job was to be young adult pastor. That was one of the funnest jobs I've ever had. And so I was college and career pastor, this large church, and so they passed the hospital visitation thing around to different pastors on staff. And so I remember the first time I had to go, they gave me a piece of paper and they said, here's uh, ABC. These are three people that you need to visit at the local hospital. I said, sure, I got this. A little anxious about it. I'm not all that great with hospital visitation sometimes. I feel like I'm weak on the mercy grace gift sometimes or I say the wrong things, you know, and I don't know medical stuff. But I, I walked into the room uh, as a young pastor after I'd gone down and found it in the aisle, uh, the hallway, and here's the number, and I walk in, and there's nothing in this room. I'm like, oh, I thought I had this right. 
And so I looked around a little bit and then I found a nurse and I said, hey, could you help me? I was I was looking for so and so they were to be in this room and they're not in there. Can you help me locate them? And she looked at me just with a straightforward face says, well, I'm sorry, they've expired. And I'm thinking expired like their license expired or what? I never heard that term expired before. Have you ever heard that? And I'm like, oh, I, like they died. Oh, OK. So I guess I marked them off my list. Right. So this idea that we have a time stamp, an expiration date on our life is true. For every one of us in this room. You ever had a subscription expire on you without it? You know, maybe it was sort of uh, some software or something else. Maybe your license, your tags expired and you had to pay extra. There's timestamps on things all around us. And it's hard to keep track of all those dates. But just like you have a birth date, you're going to have an expiration date. And it's worse than the milk going sour. You're done. You're dead. You're gone. Stephen Hawking had his expiration date here recently. A mastermind physicist. I read this last week that one of his last statements was that the future of the, the earth was just uh, darkness. I want you to know today that if that's the future of our world. And if that's the future of your life, darkness then we have no reason to be gathered here today. But that shocking statement of Jesus is indeed a true statement of Jesus. As we move forward in these weeks and we look at some of the shocking words of Jesus, we're going to see that they're nuggets of truth that are helpful for our everyday life. But there is no nugget that is more helpful for to you in your world today. Whether you're part of a church family, you're just here celebrating Easter with family, or maybe you're just checking God out, I want you to know those words of Jesus, I am the resurrection and life, the one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Those are the most powerful words of truth you can ever embrace in your life. My question to you today, wherever you are you are on your spiritual journey is, Do you believe this? You know, Jesus was said to be God himself come in the flesh. Easter time, we celebrate God becoming flesh incarnate into this world. We usually take a whole month around Christmas time. To celebrate Christ's birth and entrance into the world. But if he just entered this world and he didn't follow through with obedience to God the Father on Good Friday and Easter. Then we would have no scripture in our hand. You could actually take the scripture of Christmas out of the gospels, the four gospels and nothing. It wouldn't be that many pages. But if you took the crucifixion and the resurrection out of the Gospels, you would hardly have any Gospel to read. Because that's how central and powerful it is. In fact, at the end of John's Gospel, he says, these things I have written to you that you may believe, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 
the Gospels, all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, huge on this issue of the resurrection, this issue that the expiration date on your life can be removed. Do you believe? You know, one of the more familiar scriptures, if you've been around church or even if you've gone to football stadiums, is John 3.16, right? John 3.16, uh, for God, in fact, let's read this together. You just join me. Don't be spectators today. Be participants with what God's doing. Here we go. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Could I just, <clears throat> I never know kind of mix and environment we have here on any particular Sunday, but especially Easter and um, I appreciate what Josh said in announcements. This is just church family. Glad to just come and gather. I often say that I would come to this church even if I wasn't the pastor. Um, just great, rich family. But uh, some person here today needs to know the second part of that passage. That God did not send his son into the world to condemn you but to save you and transform you. I don't know where it all started. Maybe it's the adversary working behind the scenes. Maybe it's own fear. But why is it that faith and Christianity, religion, if you will, is seen as condemning? It's not. It's seen as life-giving. And there's a lot of times that we feel that we're on the end of our life support and we need the truth that Scripture speaks. The first part of that, powerful. God loved. God initiates. He moves towards you in love as surely as the most loved people around you embrace you and care for you and try to be there for you. God is even more so. His position, disposition towards you this morning is not condemnation. It's one of love. And he loved you so much that he sent his son into a very difficult world so that you wouldn't have to have an expiration date. So you wouldn't perish, but that you could have eternal life. Now, what we think about a lot of times with eternal life is, you know, life after you die. But this phrase eternal life here is about a full and abundant life. There's another place where Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and to have it more abundantly, to have it to the fullest, to have a blast. If you are looking for life, it's not found over your shoulder with the other people that you envy. It's found straight in front of you with the Jesus Christ who gave his life and rose from the dead so that you could be transformed and have hope everlasting and hope abundantly in this life and do you not let the adversary condemn you that you don't have a chance for that if you've never experienced it because you do and that's the hope that we celebrate and we uh, sing about and our hearts are filled with on a day like this is that jesus christ he is indeed alive and he's come so that you and i would not have to perish but to have eternal life you know, the chairs here a little bit in this configuration. I don't know if you like them. If people keep sitting in the center section, I'm good. Um, we sort of had them arranged like this a bit for our Good Friday service. 
You see, it's hard for you to grab a hold of the Easter morning celebration unless you experience the Friday and the pain and the crucifixion. And so we had a good Good Friday service. And again, as we mentioned, it's only Good Friday because we now know about Sunday because Christ's death and obedience to the cross is what forgives us of our sins and is able to set us free. But you need to climb into what was happening with the Jewish people at that time. You see, there was no sense of eternal life related to any resurrection. In this present life, there was a general sense that there was a resurrection for the Jewish people at the end of some time, but not in the middle of the timeline. And so when Jesus Christ died, there was a lot of confusion going on because people had picked him as, if I could say this, as their horse to win. He's the Messiah. We're going to follow him. All right. Now, that wasn't uncommon in that day, by the way. You know that. In the first century, there were different people that would step forward and claim to be the Messiah. And so, you know, they would would declare that, you know, I'm going to follow him. But here's the problem. All those messiahs, we don't know anything about them. Why? Not because there wasn't a Bible or a book written about them, supposedly. Maybe there's some things written down. But they all died. They died. And if your messiah died, you had two choices. You could uh, just go away quietly and say, oh, I guess I was wrong on that one. Or you could pick another Messiah. Those were your two choices. You either went away quietly or you picked another horse. You didn't have the option to believe that your guy came back from the dead. That wasn't there. People expired. They died. Death had The final victory. But that all changed on that weekend. And so climb with me a little bit into the weekend when you think about it. Friday was the day of pain, defeat, and crushing loss. They had picked this Messiah Jesus who would overthrow the Romans and and return them to the kingdom of David and the glory days that they used to have and what's recorded in the Old Testament. Uh, They wouldn't be under the oppression, definitely not, you know, oppression of the Romans. So it's like Messiah coming, man. He said, he's hit him. He came in a week ago today. We celebrated what? Palm Sunday and Palm Sunday's like, Hosanna, Hosanna is our king of kings. And then it all went terribly wrong on Friday. Crushing loss. Confusion. They did not want Jesus to be the Messiah. Some didn't. And the religious elite, they were very concerned because of the following he was gathering. And so behind the scenes and all the trial and those kinds of things, we, we, we just decided at Good Friday service, we just read through the Gospels. A lot of times, you know, you sort of fly into Christmas. Hey, you know, I mean, into Easter. Hey, you know, it's Easter, Jesus' life. But we don't let the story speak to us. And so we just walked through the Luke 22 and 23. We just stayed in Luke. And we're going to look at Luke 24 here in a little bit. The story just unfolds. And as the story unfolds, we see this crushing blow 
And as Jesus was on the cross and, and he was forgiven the criminal on the one side of him who believed in him and, and he was telling people to, to forgive, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's, he's actually doing ministry on the cross. He's looking at the Romans that needed to be forgiven right in front of him and then the tear of people that accused him and led him to a, 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 a false kind of trial. And, and then in the distance, it says, we're his followers. And they're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Oh my. Have you ever had crushing loss in your life and you've stood at a distance and said, oh my goodness, what's happening? What's happening to me in my life? You see, what Jesus walked through on that Passion Weekend is what we walk through a lot of times in our life today when we're dealing with pain. And some of you, I I just need to encourage you, you're in pain this morning, crushing loss, defeat. Jesus knows everything about your pain. He experienced physical pain. The word excruciating comes out of the cross. Excruciating pain. He knows physical pain. The beating, the tormenting, the crown of thorns crushed into his skull. Sometimes I think on Easter we just ought to do a good Friday service because we so quickly overlook the crucifixion and all of the Lord did and have an obedience to the cross. He knew physical pain on that Friday He knew emotional pain, the rejection of those around him. Some of those that shouted Hosanna earlier in the week were actually the ones that put him on this mock trial. And then what about his followers distance? Oh, my. He had the emotional pain of loss. What about you? You got emotional pain today. Some people deserted you relationship wise. Some People maybe betrayed you. Jesus knew that on the cross. And he also knew spiritual pain because he took upon himself the sin of all people on the cross on that Friday. If you're looking for hope this morning, you have a friend in Jesus because he identifies with your pain and your hurt. So in Luke 23, you walk through the pain of loss. There's not really any words, though, for the next day. Saturday was a day of confusion, regret, and debilitating grief. Silent Saturday, it's sometimes referred to as, what's going on? What just happened? He was on the cross from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then uh, then all darkness fell and he died and they took him down and they put him in a grave of Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man's grave. They rolled this big stone in front of it. Then he put a bunch of guards around it. I mean, he was dead. He was dead. Romans are professional killers. And then they were concerned about maybe somebody stealing the body. So they actually had people around the grave guarding it. But they weren't thinking anything about Jesus coming back alive. Because people, when they expired, they expired. That was it. You're done. And so were all their hopes and their dreams. And on that Saturday, it started to sink in deeper and deeper. This one that they'd had so much hope for, they had followed for three years, some of them. Debilitating grief started to 
seized their heart more and more. Then there was confusion. What just happened? And then there was a sense of regret, like, oh my goodness, could we change this? Why did he want to come to Jerusalem? We should have told him not. It really wasn't a good idea. And, and, and what if one of us would have sort of spoke up when they tried to do that, their mock trial and thing? That was just crazy nuts. Even Pilate knew he was innocent, but then he let him be crucified because the Jews, these other people wanted him dead. I don't know why. I should have done something. You ever had silent Saturdays? Maybe you're living in one right now. You're living in a lot of regret. Some pain happened to you either by your own choices or other people that took initiative to bring pain into your life. And you are living in that silent Saturday Wondering what's ever going to happen in your life. You have a friend in Jesus. But the prophecy was that he would be dead for three days. And in Jewish circles, that meant any part of a day. Yeah, he had said something about coming back, but they didn't understand it because people don't come back from the dead bodily. Oh, you know, maybe, you know, like my dad died, you know, and, and I sense his presence with me, people will say. And so maybe that's what the disciples, they just hung on to that hope. I, I just feel the presence of Jesus in all I did, and that's great. No, no, that's not what Easter's about. That's not what Easter is about. He died. It's done. It's, it's over. What are we going to do now? But, as we say, Sunday's coming. And on the third day, It moved to astonishment, joy, and transforming hope. Do you know the story? It's here in God's word. Don't blow through this Easter 2018 without reading the story. The story is in the Gospels. I want us to look at the story as it's recorded in Luke 24. In Luke 24, picking up where we left off on Good Friday, it says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Uh, What would that mean? But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men, the men, the angels, said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners, be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Then 
they remembered his words. Can you picture that? Wouldn't you like to have been there? I would have. I hope there's some video recap when I get to be with Jesus. So I can see how it goes and not the movie renditions that they all do. I don't think any special effects could really show what happened, right? When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. Listen to this. These are the people. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like like nonsense. Who says this kind of thing that somebody came back from the dead? Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the stripes of linen lying there by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself, Oh my goodness, what has happened? That's sort of the circle I want to get into. I, I want those ladies and some of the others saying, <laughs> even Peter's like, talk to me about it. Tell me the experience of when you first, you, and you look, oh, the stone's away where the Roman soldiers, they flee because their life was in danger because, oh my goodness, the body they were supposed to protect, they've lost and now they're going to be killed. So they were out of the scene and they're looking in and there's these two angels in there, these two men, and they speak to them. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And if I was there, I would say to those angels, duh, when people expire, when they're crucified by a Roman legion of people and they're placed in a tomb and embalmed and wrapped up, I will look for them where they are dead. I'm not going to look for them out here roaming around in the garden or roaming around in my world. But they said, hey, where's your belief? What are you thinking? Remember, remember what he said. He would be crucified and on the third day be raised again. He is not here. He has risen. Now, I don't know about you, but do you ever get some new information that comes into your mind from some scene or situation? You go, whoa, whoa, I need to rethink through this one. How does this calculate? Oh, he did sort of say that, but people don't come back from the dead. They expire, they expire. But he's not here. There is an empty grave. And if you're a skeptic, if you're a doubter here this morning, I want to encourage you that there is tons of even historical information. In fact, last year we did this series on Case for Christ. I'll buy you the book. Just note your card and say, I need to buy that book. I'll buy it for you. If you need evidence that Jesus literally rose from the dead and you're a skeptic, that's cool. Just pursue that skepticism because it's it's to your to, to your benefit that you just don't put it on the shelf and say, oh, that's nice. All those Christians did that. And I went to an Easter service. Yeah, yeah, the band was good and stuff the guy that talked a little long and stuff like that but you know hey i'm i'm like stop this is like really important these shocking words of jesus that he had spoken earlier that if you believe in him you will live and never die you need to investigate that because it'll change not only your life after you die it'll change this life in really positive ways more positive than anything you could have done this week or happened to you even if you won the lottery. It's far more beneficial. But that appearance um, had them recalculate and rethink about things. Do people come back from the dead? Well, Luke drops into another story here. And this story, uh, it just sort of appears out of nowhere. It's only listed in this gospel. And I'm so glad that Luke put it in here. And this has to do with the road to Emmaus. 
Maybe you've seen this painting before. This painting actually hangs in my parents' house to this day. And it's the picture of three people on a path. And then you see a city that's through the hills there or through the trees. And that's Emmaus. And so this is the story of the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, the day that he resurrected, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Seven mile John. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? (laughs) They stood still, their faces downcast. I mean, they were in silent Saturday. I mean, doom, gloom, regret, all right, debilitating grief. These two people, they, they were right there. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? In other words, why are you so clueless? Weren't you around the whole celebration? Here's the king of kings, our Messiah, and then all of a sudden he gets crucified, this crazy trial issue, and then death on a cross. How humiliating is that and degrading? And here they were still living in silent Saturday. What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, I don't know, some, some of our women, they amazed us. I think they're a bit crazy. I didn't really say that. I put that in the scripture, sorry. Um, they went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. And they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus, he said to them. Now, now, calm down, everything's right. No, it doesn't say that either. He just speaks to them and calls them fools. Ooh. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, I mean, the whole Bible says, let me give you a real quick Bible lesson. He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, oh, no, stay with us, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. (laughs) Then, then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures? They got up. I mean, it's late at night. I'm like late. And returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, those with them, assembled together and said, it is true, the Lord is risen and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Okay. If you take this at face value, it has a little bit of a 
sci-fi superhero kind of edge to it. Don't you think? Jesus, he came back from the dead. He's alive. He's walking with them. They didn't quite recognize him. Why didn't they recognize him? Well, maybe God had blinded their eyes a little bit to recognize who it was. But this was a different kind of being. And and, and then when they broke bread, he uh, it was revealed to them. It was him. And they're like elated. His, 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 his Jesus. I want to talk to those two guys too. little circle up time when I, when I get there. Uh, talk to me about that one. And then he disappears. Poof. What? Is this real stuff? I mean, some of you are Christ followers today. Do you really believe that? I do. Because I tell you what, this resurrected body of Jesus is a different kind of body. Hear this. The resurrection is not about the resuscitation of a mortal body. The resurrection is about the resurrection of a mortal body into an immortal body. It's a transformation that happens. I don't fully understand what a resurrection body will entail, but we have these little snippets of Jesus' resurrected body here, and I go, wow. That's not sci-fi or superhero stuff. That's real. You don't have an expiration date. You have a destiny to a resurrected body. If you believe in Jesus, do you believe? Now that's astonishing. It really is. And it causes us to pause, step back and go, whoa. Am I just playing this little Christian game, doing the church thing, doing the nice Easter thing? I'll take the photo out by the cross with my family today and we'll remember it and go, oh, look how nice you were. By the way, the yellow shirt comes from my wife. It's blinding you. (laughs) And I love you, hon. But it's astonishing to try to comprehend what this meant. Dead people don't come back to life. And if you're thinking resuscitation, you're thinking wrong. This was a resurrected body. And you and I have the hope of a resurrected body. If you and I believe in Jesus. If you do not believe in Jesus, then you will not have a resurrected immortal body that will live with him forever. And that is a cost and a consideration worth counting this morning in a very sobering way. This illustration, this illustration here of him at a table eating is huge because a resurrected body isn't some like ghostly body. It's not some kind of, uh, of weird thing. It's, it's his physical body come back to life and he was eating of bread. And this carries on to the next story in Luke 24. The appearance to the disciples. You know, they probably got back to them in the middle of the night. They're probably up at 3 a.m., right? It's that, it's that, that whole next day after, and they're still living in silent Saturday. And like, oh, I don't know what's going on. We're trying to recalibrate all this. New information coming in. And they tell them what they'd done and what they'd seen. They'd seen Jesus. So it says this in Luke 24, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself t- stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. What does that mean? Like, all of a sudden... 
voila, here I am. It doesn't give description. Did he walk in through the door? Did he just uh, did he just appear? It seems that he appears. They didn't initially recognize. Verse 37, they were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. Now, they believed in ghosts back then, and they thought that there maybe were ghosts, but they were thinking that Jesus is a ghost. And like Jesus, like, I'm sorry, I'm not a ghost. This is not some fiction of your imagination. Why are you troubled, Jesus said to them? And why do doubts rise in your minds? And then he said, look at my hands and my feet where the nails were pierced through his hands and his feet where they were pierced, right? It is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they were still, they did not believe it because of joy and amazement. He asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Why? Why is he doing this? They gave him a piece of broiled bread. He took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I've told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of the prophets, of law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will, will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning here in Jerusalem. You are with Witnesses of these things, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. What an incredible moment with his disciples in that room. They were taken back. Is this a ghost? What's going on? He says, no, I'm not a ghost. Give me some food. Give me some food. Ghosts do not eat food. All right, I digest this food. Here, touch my physical hand. Touch my feet. They're going, what? This is incredible. But yet he just sort of appeared to them. And the people before said that he disappeared. What kind of body is this that Jesus has been resurrected into? It's a fascinating subject for me. Maybe it is for you. I don't know. Sort of undefined. But we're promised that if we believe in Jesus Christ, we will live and never die. And the only way you live is not as a ghost. You live with a body, a resurrected body. Perfect body. Some of you bummed to trying to get dressed this morning going, oh, that just doesn't look right. Maybe I can improve this a little bit here and there. Friends, you ain't going to worry about that when you get a resurrected body. You get a whole new body. I'm sorry, but many times the church, evangelical Christianity even, has simplified Easter down to the idea that you go to heaven after you die. No. Everything changes. There's no expiration date. Oh, there's an expiration date for this physical body, this mortal body, but not for the immortal physical body that you're going to get. Do not be lulled into the just or placated in the, oh, how beautiful. We live and we die and we go to heaven. No. The story is about God restoring this world from its brokenness. The Bible says it's a future of a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to recreate and make it all right. Did you ever want to live in the Garden of Eden? You get to do that. Did you ever want to experience the new Jerusalem coming down from the heavens? 
you get to experience that. Our destiny is not some dismembered spirit life that lives forever where you might sit around on a cloud. That's wrong. It's about this beautiful creation God made radically changing it and you becoming alive with a vessel of being that's glorified and will be glorified like Christ and live forever with him in a new heaven and a new earth. I want in on that. It's not just an eternal life, though. It's an abundant life today. Even though we have pain, we have disillusionment and regret. There is the hope of transformation. If you came in here this morning and you are living in pain, the crushing loss of a Friday or the debilitating grief of a silent Saturday, I want you to know that even in this life, you can have the transforming hope that comes from Sunday morning in the midst of whatever situation you have. It may not all get all packaged up and pretty in this life. We live in a broken world. That's why God came to redeem the world through Christ. But you need to know today, this isn't about eternal life and life ever after. It's about a full and abundant life today. I like how N.T. Wright puts it. N.T. Wright's probably one of the best New Testament uh, theologians. He talks about the resurrection as really a subject about life after life after death. See, we think about life after death, absent from the body, present with the Lord. We talked about the criminal on the cross that was crucified with Jesus who said, you know, I believe in you. And Jesus turned to the criminal, said, today you will be with me in paradise. We mentioned Friday that the word paradise comes from the word uh, a garden wall and the idea that you would walk with prominent people in this beautiful garden. And so Jesus said to the criminal on the cross, he says, today, when we both here die, you will be with me in paradise. We will walk together in a garden. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, I don't fully understand it. It's almost like there's a signpost pointing into the fog. We sort of know truth from Scripture, but we don't fully know what is through the fog. If you die in this physical body, if you've had a loved one die, and they're in Christ, believing in Christ, they are with the Lord in paradise, if you want to use that word. But the Scriptures refer that there is going to be a future day when there's going to be the resurrection of all bodies who are believers in Christ. And on that day of resurrection, you get a new immortal body that will live forever. I don't care if you were placed in a tomb, if you were uh, cremated, if you were cast into a sea when you, and you died. God somehow is going to bring it back together. Your body's going to come back. It's going to come alive. And it's going to be an immortal body that will live forever in the power of Jesus Christ. That's our future. Life after life after death, though, then comes back to redefine this life and transform my life here. Because if you've seen death and you've seen death stare down as Jesus stared it down and rose it from the grave, then you tell me, do you have more power to live life? I sure do. Because I no longer have that fear of death. Why are you troubled? And why do you have doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you see, I have. That whole beautiful story of Luke 24 is what today is all about. But it's impersonal unless you apply it to your life. Do you believe? The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 where he talks about death no longer has a sting. 
He says, for what I received, I passed on to you. He's given witness of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Can you believe it? Most of whom are still living at that time, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. There are witnesses of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's recorded in Scripture. But as you begin to have your faith and your belief in him, you too can become fully alive and know that Christ has indeed risen bodily from the grave. Paul goes on and he says this, and this is where he starts to depict this life after life after death thing. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, you all die. I die because we have one foot in Adam. We are born in sin. The wages of sin is death. That's what this world experiences. Every single person. But as in Adam all die, so in Christ. If you are in Christ, all will be made alive. But then each in his own turn. Christ Christ was just the first fruits. <laughs> that body of Luke 24. That was just like a little pilot project for all of us. Hey, look at this. Here, see my hands, see my feet. Give me some food. I'm good. I'm out of here. Bye. Boom. Christ, the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. I want to belong to him. Do you? Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God to the father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. There will be a day in which you live, if you are a Christ believer and follower today, when death will no longer be a subject. There will no longer be obituaries online or in newspapers. It's done. All of us can experience that day. So will it be at the resurrection of the dead. The body that is shown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a, nat- sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. The spiritual body is not a ghostly body. It's not some disconnected spirit. It's a resurrected body. You and I can have that if we believe. I'm going to invite the band to come up. But as they come up, I want to get your focus set on this verse from Romans. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. So here's the deal this morning. Some of you acknowledge that and say, yeah, I profess Jesus 
is Lord. Someone being the Lord of your life is not a bad thing. Think how many times you've already messed up. I think I want the one who created me to lead me. He's got good things for me. And he's not just a leader in my life. He is the ultimate leader. He is the Lord of the universe. Do you profess Jesus as Lord? Not just cognitively, but from your heart. Have you surrendered your life to him? Do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? That's why I say if you're a skeptic this morning, it's worth pursuing to try to figure this one out. Lee Strobel in his case for Christ, remember he spent two years investigating the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Jesus was who he said he was. And then he knelt and he prayed because he found it to be true. And he was a high-end skeptic. You have to believe in the resurrection, I believe, in order to be saved and have an immortal physical body someday. I don't think you get into God's kingdom if you do not believe in the resurrection. So if this is a mere exercise to go through Easter, I challenge you, seek God. The word says, when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. It's a good thing to be a seeker. But as a seeker, it's even a better thing. A fabulous, astonishing, incredible, transforming thing. (sighs) To find the Savior as your own. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart you believe and are justified, forgiven of your sins, and with your mouth that you profess your faith, you are saved. Anyone who believes in me, you'll never be put to shame for making that decision. And I'm going to give you that decision here this morning before we close with our last song. Remember the shocking words of Jesus? There will be no more shocking words in the series we're about to step into next week than these. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Will you bow your heads with me?